This is the Empowered Spirituality Podcast, the podcast about inclusive spirituality. Empowered Spirituality is all about connecting and aligning to your own higher self. All religions, spiritual practices and beliefs, sexual orientations, gender identities and expressions are welcomed and celebrated here. I am your host, Samantha Nagel, owner of and coach at Empowered Spirituality, LLC. Every Wednesday, I will share a guided meditation practice, and every Thursday, I will share inspirational teachings or interviews with people with different spiritual practices, beliefs, and opinions. Come every week with an open mind, taking what you like and leaving the rest. Welcome to Empowered Spirituality. Thanks for listening to the Empowered Spirituality Podcast. I'm here today to tell you about my academy, home base, belonging space for empaths. If you are an empath, a highly sensitive person, I highly, highly recommend that you check us out. We are made just for you. We are a community of empathic people learning to hone our abilities and healing from the damage that society has done to us. Come check us out at Instagram at theportal1111. Thank you so much and have a great listen. Hello and welcome to Empowered Spirituality. This is Samantha Nagel. Today I had the wonderful privilege of sitting down with Anjali Luz, who is a Reiki master, astrologer, Akashic Records practitioner, tarot reader, and creative writer and all-around amazing person. (laughs) She writes horoscopes and has been featured on Vice. In Anjali's free time, she enjoys journaling, watching anime, and writing poetry, and she's actually currently writing her first poetry book called Meeting Halfway with the Akashic Records. She also has a Patreon where she does live Akashic and Reiki healings twice a week, as well as teaches monthly classes. And in fact, she actually has a class coming out on April 23rd about opening the Akashic Records. And that would be tomorrow when you're listening, if you listen on the day this comes out. So I would highly recommend looking into that or checking out her class um, in the following months. In this episode, we talked about Anjali's work, Akashic Records, harnessing the intuition, astrology, embracing being sensitive, and much, much more. She is a young woman, but you can tell from her words and from the way she holds herself that she's a very old soul. She's very wise. She has a lot of intuitive wisdom, both about herself and about the world around her. It was really an honor to just sit with her and see the way that she thinks, the way that she speaks, the way that she processes. I think this episode um, was really beautiful. It was a really beautiful experience, and I think... Um, listening to this will be very um, informative and very enlightening, very fun. Um, yeah, I, I'll stop. <laughs> I'll stop talking and let you listen to the amazing episode with Anjali Luz. Thank you. All right, hello, welcome to Empowered Spirituality. How are you? Hi, I'm good. How are you? Thank you. Um, Why don't you tell everyone a little bit more about who you are, what you do, your hobbies, your passions? Yeah, of course. So hi, everyone. My name is Anjali. I am 22 years old. I'll be turning 23 next week. So I am an Aries. Um, I am an Akashic Records practitioner, a Reiki master, a tarot reader, and also a creative writer. I write horoscopes and I've been featured on Vice. And in my free time, I enjoy doing things like journaling, watching anime, and writing poetry. I'm actually currently working on my first poetry book that's called Meeting Halfway with the Akashic Records. Wow, congratulations. What inspired your poetry book? Well, I've always been writing poetry ever since um, I actually 
got into spirituality. I've always loved reading books. When I was little, I read a lot of books and I was always just having my head in the library, having my head in the books. And my poetry is a collection of like years worth all the way back from like 2018 when I really started to get into it. Wow, that's amazing. Congratulations. I'm excited to read it. Um, so you mentioned the Akashic Records a couple of times. Can you explain both for me and for everyone else what that is? Yeah, of course. So the Akashic Records are essentially a record of every thought, every emotion, feeling, experience, event. Anything and everything that has created matter or energy is stored within the Akasha. The Akasha has been known in many cultures around the world as the ether, which also means spirit. The word Akasha in Sanskrit actually means the ether, and Einstein also called it the ether. The Akasha is also called the field, the zero point field, and the void. I personally like to think of it as the library of God or the library of universal consciousness. Wow, that's incredible. And so what does that look like? When you work with that? Well, when I work with it, it definitely feels more of an energy rather than looking like anything particular. Uh, so what you do essentially is you open up a prayer and that prayer connects you with the energy of the Akash. Oh, that's beautiful. And so do you work with your records or do you work with the client's records or is it kind of a mix of both? Definitely both. I do work with my own records. I open up my own records and um, when you actually go into your records you have an Akashic Records Keeper which is the being that gives you the information from the other dimension from the Akash and brings it down for you to be translated into human words. But I also work with clients' records. Mm, wow. And what got you into that? Uh, I took an Akashic Records personal access course. And um, back in October with Sugar and Spice. And I really enjoyed it so much. I was always called to it, called to work in the records. And then I took another course with uh, the Linda Howe program to be an Akashic Records practitioner. Wow. And you said you always felt called to that. Can you explain more what you mean by that? Yeah, that I felt called to take the class of Sugar and Spice for like a long time. Like I was always inspired by the work that she was doing. Um, she's also an Akashic Records practitioner and she also teaches how to access the records. And um, I always felt inspired by it because she would always talk about like how life-changing it was for her and all of that. And I recognize that to be true because as soon as I was in the class, like just one week of spending 20 minutes in the records every day, it changed my life completely. It started to heal my mental health. I started to become successful in ways I thought I couldn't be successful. I started to really like deconstruct my self-doubt beliefs, self-limiting beliefs and other beliefs that held me back and a lot of things that really just healed me. Thanks for speaking on that. Wow, so you're saying that having the access to your own records healed your mental health and really opened, opened your mind and helped you let go of those limiting beliefs. I think that's really beautiful. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. Um, and you're also a Reiki master. So I'm, I'm curious what that looks like and what that is as well. Yeah. So to me, um, being a Reiki master is about helping others heal through the universal life force energy, also known as their chi in Chinese cultures. Um, Reiki was started by Dr. Usui. Uh, we all have this universal life force energy within us. We might not notice it at times, but it's always there. It's just the levels of it differentiate. I feel like Reiki is all about helping others remember who they are on a soul level, on a cellular, cellular level. And Reiki also helps us remember how to reconnect with our spirits, our bodies, as well as our minds. There are a lot of new scientific studies that have been coming out recently that show that Reiki actually also helps heal 
chronic pain, anxiety, depression, heart pressure issues, and other ailments, but the research is just beginning to unfold. Mm, so what does Reiki look like? Reiki is encompassed of um, essentially, it is a universal life force energy. So you work, you learn how to access that energy instead of just working through someone with your own energy. Uh, Reiki also has certain symbols that we learn in order to facilitate and channel that energy. Mm, okay, beautiful. Um, and you mentioned the universal life force energy a couple of times. Is that similar to the records that you work with as well or is that something separate or what is that what does that mean no they they're completely separate for sure um the energy of the akasha is completely separate from universal life force energy because the energy of the akasha mm. resides on a different dimensional level whereas reiki the energy of reiki universal life force energy is what is all around us on all levels oh okay thank you for clarifying um Recently, I was reading, um, I think it was Sahara Rose's Discovering Your Dharma, and she talks about spirituality as a process of remembering, forgetting and remembering. Um, and you remember, or <laughs> you remembered, um, you spoke about remembering on a soul level. And I was wondering if you could just expand on that and what that means. Yeah, do you mean remembering, remembering yourself on a soul level? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I really feel like, like, as you said, it is a process of remembering. We do remember that we are all part um, of this universal consciousness. We are all, like, all our atoms are just all intermingled, right? We're all part of this worldwide universal consciousness. And in that process of remembering who we are and doing our own inner work and really remembering our soul, right, not only do you do we recognize how we reflect other people? We reflect our environments, our environments reflect us, how everything is interconnected through the web of life. But we also realize that our souls are always, almost carry like this memory. They always have this memory that carries on throughout, throughout our lifetimes and throughout different universes, right? Mm, yeah. Um... So carries on throughout different lifetimes. Would that be reincarnation, our soul's past lives? Is that what you mean? Yeah, past lives, uh, parallel dimensions, other, mm. you know, lifetimes, all of that. Anything that is intermingled or has created quantum energy with us. Wow, thank you. I actually don't know a lot about parallel universes, I guess is how you would say it. Um, do you mind explaining a little bit? Of, I know that it would be a very long discussion if you were to explain all of it, but maybe just give us the, the basics. Yeah, so there are several theories that discuss it, and there's one in particular called the string theory, which is essentially where all of our atoms are intermingled. All of our atoms are every atom holds an individual universe. If you zoom out in the cosmos, if you zoom out like, like a magnifying glass, like you go way back, essentially the universe just looks like a brain cell. And that's something that can be really trippy to a lot of people, to a lot of scientists, right? Like how everything just looks like, like even in sacred geometry, we can see all these patterns, how everything looks similar, right? So mm -hmm. string theory talks about how there is a universe inside every little atom. And that leads to a bunch of other parallel universes and all of that. Wow. Yeah, you said it might look trippy. It definitely makes my head hurt a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, how did you go on that path of learning more about this? Where is this something you were introduced to as a child or did you come into it on your own? Well, when I was little, I was really into space and the stars. So I watched a lot of Animal Planet about space. I was like the weird kid that always talked about space when everyone wanted to talk about Club Penguin. Um, <laughs> but also just, you know, my recent years, I've also done a lot of my own, like watching documentaries. I'll teach about this stuff. There's a lot of good ones, like on Netflix and all of that. Um, but also just studying it in my own time, but also accessing that that inner wisdom from within. Mm, thank you so much for talking about inner wisdom. Um, 
for me, my inner wisdom looks a lot like intuition and kind of connecting with my source. Um, what does inner wisdom look like for you? For me, it does look similar to that, like very much connecting with my own intuition, connecting with what my heart is telling me. I recognize my heart space as like the space where information kind of comes in for me. Um, and sometimes that comes as an emotion. Sometimes that comes as like a feeling or just a knowing. And sometimes it's hard to translate it into words, but I like eventually I kind of figure it out. And then it's like, to me, intuition is also like that um, instinct, that first instinct that you might have about something like, like our ancestors also had that instinct. Like they had mm. that intuition to run away from the tiger that was about to attack them, right? Or to stay away from this bush because there was a leopard there, something like that, right? So that's always been like ingrained, you know, in our biology, our instincts, our intuition. So my inner wisdom to me also just looks like sitting down with myself and just just talking to myself, having a conversation with myself. If I can't make words of it, then I'll practice journaling where I'll have conversations with myself. Mm, thank you. Um, what kind of advice would you give someone who doesn't maybe have that connection with their own inner wisdom or intuition, but they do want to start meeting that part of themselves? Yeah, I think it can be really hard at first because most of us have a lot of self-doubt, you know, uh, self-doubt or feeling like like it's hard to trust ourselves because of the way that our society teaches us not to trust ourselves and not to trust what we feel, right? So it does take time to practice it, but I would say that the best way to start can be either through um, meditation, right? Meditating even for if you just say like, oh, like it can seem like this big thing, but if you just say, oh, just five minutes a day, I will just do it for five minutes a day. Then over time, you can start to build that and build the connection to your intuition. So it does take practice. There are a lot of intuitive exercises you can do, uh, intuitive games. I know they have some intuition card games that you can play to help, to help build that trust with yourself again. But there's also um, different tools we can use. Like pendulums we can learn how to connect with our intuition through pendulums or through tarot we can learn how to connect with our intuition through tarot but these things are all just tools and we all have this wisdom within those tools just help bring us the confidence that we already know within good point um my therapist one time told me to just go somewhere safe <laughs> of course um and then walk around and just say like where should i go what do you want me to see and then just walk wherever I want to go. And that's a great, that could be a great intuitive practice. Um, and you mentioned tarot as well. And I know that you are a tarot reader. Um, what is tarot? You know, how did you get started in tarot? I'm, I'm very curious. Yeah. So um, I actually had always been interested in tarot. I just never really um, got into it until around 2018 or so. Tarot cards are just a deck of 78 cards and they reflect the common themes we face as human beings. You have different suits in the deck, which also represent different elements and the numbers represent different energies, right? According to numerology and the practice of numerology, tarot is very helpful as a therapeutic tool, but mm -hmm. it's also a helpful tool for us to get in touch with our own inner wisdom, like I mentioned. And while tarot is a study, it does require an element of intuition in order to piece the story together. When I do tarot, I do it from a very practical manner. I ask my client questions because I don't know them. So I ask my client questions to help guide and facilitate the session. And then I listen to my intuition and I will ask questions according to that. Mm, beautiful. Do you read your cards for yourself as well? Sometimes I have a difficult time doing that because my head likes to get in the way, right? But other times I will read the cards if I'm like interested in energy around something. But I also used to form an, an unhealthy relationship with tarot, which is why I stopped doing that. Mm. And if it's not too personal, of course, do you mind expanding on that unhealthy relationship? Because I think we can really rely on things that are external when we should be relying on our inner wisdom, like you said. 
Yeah, I think when I started, when I was building an unhealthy relationship with tarot, I kind of let it dictate my life. Like I would pull a card every day to see, okay, like instead of like, instead of saying like, oh, pull a card, let's just see what the energy is, but I'll be open to all other possibilities. I'll be like, let's see what, let's see what the energy is and this will be the energy. So I would like force myself to stay in that reality instead of realizing that it can be a metaphor or it can just be like, like if I got the tower, which represents like a terrible, awful, chaotic situation happening. Um, if I got that, I would be like, oh my God, it's going to be a terrible day. It's going to be an awful day. And then nothing would happen instead of just being like, oh, maybe it was just that I lost a dollar or maybe it was just that I forgot to put gas in my car, you know, just things that, you know, might not seem like a big deal to us. So when I feel like when we focus too much on tarot, we don't recognize that the future is always open to possibilities and the future is not set in stone. Mm, good point. I think sometimes people think that a, someone who reads your cards is going to tell you exactly what you should do or going to plan your future for you or tell you what is definitely going to happen. Um, and I think that's where that unhealthy relationship can form when you're no longer trusting yourself. Um, and also, if you think that you're going to have a bad day, you probably will. <laughs> so if you're more open to seeing other possibilities or other metaphors of what that can stand for, I think it can be really helpful. Yeah, it's definitely all about perspective, too, because we could have something if we think we go into our days thinking we're going to have a bad day and then something happens like maybe um, someone, a family member yells at us or something like that. Something happens. Someone's rude to us in public or whatever the case is. Um, then we go on. We can be since we went on beginning the day with oh I'm gonna have a bad day that reinforces the idea that oh see I'm having a bad day and then we go on throughout the day thinking we're gonna keep having bad day today is gonna be a bad day instead of realizing like you know like let me just forget about that or let me just kind of like okay whatever let me just make my day better by getting myself like uh coffee or ice cream or treating myself you know instead of like realizing maybe the power that we have, that we can change our day, that we can also find power through what control we do have. Mm, thank you for sharing. Um, you mentioned 2018 a couple of times. It sounds like that's really when you started this path and when you started um, also opening that up to helping others. Is that true? Yes. Wonderful. And what, so you said that you were inspired to start the class that you took by Sugar and Spice um, because you heard how it just resonated with you, the work that she was doing. Um, but it seems like a lot started changing in 2018. I'm just wondering if you can speak to what was the, what the catalyst was, I guess. Yeah, so catalyst, um, it was a multitude of things really. I lost a lot of friends. I went through a dark period in my life where I was going through almost um, a dark night of the soul, right? Where like, where like, it's like, oh, just one thing after another kind of thing. Um, I was always interested in the esoteric arts growing up, but I never explored it until I was like forced to because I was like forced to go within because everything around me was just falling apart. Um, and I think a lot of people that first get into spirituality, they can relate to that because a lot of times it's like, we don't really want to face ourselves. We don't really want to go within on that level until we're like kind of forced to. Um, and I was also on probation for a year. And so it was just a really, a really like negative period of my life. But from that, I learned a lot. Um, I started go to Reiki circles at my local metaphysical shop. And that was my first introduction to spirituality in person was going through Reiki to Reiki circles. And it started to heal me a lot. It started to like heal my mental health. It started to heal me. Like I started to feel more relaxed. Things that bothered me didn't bother me as much. I felt a lot more calm than usual. And of course, that was my first introduction to spiritual pursuits. And then I began exploring other avenues. And then I began my healing journey and I started to heal all the people around me, when I started to heal myself, it started to heal all the people around me as well. Mm, that is so true. Thank you so much for sharing. And you said a lot of people could relate to that. And I definitely do as well. Um, the catalyst for my spiritual, I mean, we're always on a spiritual journey, but 
for, I guess, a conscious spiritual journey with really dark depression and anxiety and just feeling really overwhelmed, overworked. Um, and I feel like if you had told me in that dark period that I was going to have the spiritual journey awaiting me, I don't think I would have believed you. And I might've even felt annoyed. Um, so I'm wondering if there's any advice you'd like to give someone who is in a dark period of their life right now. Yeah, um, I would say, um, I've also personally struggled a lot with like mental health issues and all of that. So I can just say what I learned from my experience um, is to really, really have hard conversations with yourself so that you can begin to like actually face yourself. And facing yourself is a thing that we don't really want to do, right? And there's a lot of things that we can't control in our lives, but it is important to also change our perspectives about a lot of things in our life. I feel like when I began to change my perspective, my life started to change. So instead of focusing on all the negative things in my life and how this sucked and that sucked and this sucked and how it let, led me to spiral, I started to focus more on, okay, well, what can I change? What can I do? I might not have control over this situation, but how can I make this better? I tried, I tried to find more loopholes. I tried, I started to like let go of a lot of um, limiting beliefs. So I would suggest what can be really helpful is reflective journaling, which is where you can have hard conversations with yourself. You can put a question like, why do I feel like this? Or where did this stem from? Or where, why do I, why am I feeling anxious? Is, is this emotion mine? Is this, am I picking up this emotion from someone else, which is also something and not a lot of people are aware of is emotions, you know, they do get passed down, right? When someone's angry at us, it can like come towards us. So I would definitely say that it can be hard to face ourselves when we've hurt ourselves, when we feel like we don't deserve that, when there's a lot of limiting beliefs we have of ourselves. And that does take time. But with reflective journaling, with practices like reflective journaling, um, taking a few minutes of the day to do something you enjoy, taking a few minutes of the day to find your peace, to find your joy, whether that's, you know, um, playing a video game, maybe or reading a little bit of a book or just having some healthy coping mechanisms. And over time, we can really begin to like heal ourselves to open our minds a little bit more and all of that stuff. And also going to therapy, going to therapy for sure is really helpful. So I suggest everyone goes to therapy. And though that can be really expensive and inaccessible, there is a website I've heard of that has cheaper therapy. It's called Open Path Collective. And their sessions range from anywhere from $30 to $60. I'll find that website and link it in the show notes. That's a really helpful um Cool. And there's always um, like crisis resource lines, or um, if you look around your area, sometimes you can find clinics, especially if you're in a domestic violence situation or dealing with PTSD. There's typically a free clinic in all bigger cities, maybe not the really rural cities. So that's a really great um, resource to have, as well as even online communities. I think we can find a lot of online support groups too. Yeah, for sure. For sure. That can be really helpful as well. Yeah. Um, one thing you mentioned too is picking up on the emotions of others. And that's something I work with my therapist about as well is sometimes it feels like the emotion is outside of me, not really in me. And that's how I know that, oh, someone is anxious around me or there's just some general anxiety um, and I think I really picked up on that during the most recent U.S. election. I was picking up on a lot of anxiety that was just kind of around. Um, what advice would you give for separating yourself or identifying those emotions that aren't even yours? Yeah, so I actually experienced um, a lot of social anxiety all my life, like growing up, like I used to shake, like my hands used to shake from how bad my social anxiety was. And for me, it was because I, I was having a very hard time um, differentiating what was my emotion and my energies and other people's oceans, uh, emotions, not oceans. But um, I think that's a very common trait in people that are hypersensitive, people that are hypersensitive to their environments, um, and stuff like that hypersensitive individuals and in order to like really understand where that comes from like how what are my emotions and what are someone else's emotions it can be hard to understand that when 
we don't really like question ourselves. So it is important to like kind of take a minute, even if you can't, like if you're at work or something, just go to the bathroom really quick and be like, okay, like I'm feeling really anxious all of a sudden, but okay, let me just reflect a little bit. When did this start? When did I start feeling like this? Why is this like, where does anxiety come from? Okay, is this emotion mine or is it coming from someone else? And that's where we can really like kind of put the line to be like, hmm, is this emotion mine or is it coming from someone else? And if we just take a minute to really ground ourselves, and there's a lot of different ways we can ground ourselves, but something that really helps like in the moment or like really quick that only takes like 30 seconds is to do um, a breath work pattern that instantly calms down your nervous system. And it's called the four, seven, eight method where you take four deep, four breaths, inhale for four breaths for four counts. You hold for eight counts. I mean, you hold for seven counts and then you exhale through your mouth for eight. So four, seven, eight. Um, so that's something that can calm down our nervous system. I know there's some other breath work exercises that can instantly help calm down anxiety and calm down your nervous system that I do recommend researching about. Um, and then there's also just the fact like as we get to know ourselves better and as we get to like differentiate which energy is ours and which energy isn't ours, Grounding does become extremely helpful with that. I would definitely recommend for everyone looking interested in any of this stuff, for anyone that's interested in understanding the roots of their anxiety to really ground themselves. A lot of our anxieties can come from like our consciousness being in a bunch of different places, worrying about the future. Our consciousness might be in the future, right? Our consciousness might be anxious about certain situations. Our consciousness is like way over there. But when we begin to like ground ourselves, we begin to take all that energy that's not around us, that's supposed to be ours. And we, we begin to reclaim it back into our own space and we, we begin to embody it and bring it back to our bodies. Mm, I love that phrase, reclaiming. I think you said reclaiming our energy or reclaiming what's ours. And I think that's really empowering to do that work of saying, this is mine and I'm going to take it back now. Beautiful. Um, and you mentioned the word hypersensitive and that stuck out to me because I've always felt, I used to think that being sensitive was a bad thing. Um, people would always say you're too sensitive. Um, and now I know that it's our superpower that we're so sensitive. And I think everyone is sensitive. It's all about whether you're connected to that sensitivity or not. Yes, I would definitely say being like understanding how to process that is a journey because we're not really taught that in many cultures, but um, being hypersensitive, yeah, it is a gift onto itself. It's just understanding how to navigate that gift. Yeah, great point. And I think that people like us who are sensitive um, tend to feel drawn to these professions like Reiki or healing work in general, um, because that's what we're good at and that's what we're passionate about. But it can also be hard when, especially for you, you're reading people's energies, you're opening yourself up to that. How do you also close yourself to that when it's time to? Okay, so it really depends on the session. And that's a really good question. Um, so with the Akashic Records, for example, during my sessions with my clients, I will close their records and then I will clap three times and we will ground ourselves. I tell my client, drink your water, ground yourself, hug a pet, you know, do something to ground yourself with um, tarot, Reiki, astrology, you know, the, with the other practices, what I do is I will like maybe spend a little bit time of time to like ground my energy back to me, kind of like even if I just put my hand like this, like like create a wall. Like I'm like okay, bringing my energy back to me. Just say like an affirmation that grounds me, or I might light some incense. Um, but yeah, just anything that might be that might seem small that can really help has helped me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, almost creating a ritual sometimes can be so helpful to say, all right, this is the end of this and the beginning of a new chapter of my day or a new chapter of my energy today. Yes. Um, and you mentioned that you 
are an astrologist and that you've even written horoscopes for Vice, which is so wonderful. Oh, um, no, for, not for Vice, for Clona Willy. Oh, sorry, <laughs> sorry about that. Um, can you speak more on astrology and what led you to practicing astrology? Yeah, of course. So studying astrology is all about observing the patterns of the stars and the planets and essentially what they can teach us. Astrology is a study that dates back thousands of years. It was considered a science before modern Western Christianity and colonialization. The planets reflect themes and patterns on Earth and astrologers witness them through the lens of trying to understand how these patterns work. Just like science, astrology is always evolving and changing. There are different branches of astrology. There's more information that's added as we continue to study these patterns. Vedic astrology is actually considered a science in India, up, up to par with engineering or maths. For me, writing horoscopes, studying astrology has always been super fun to me. I feel like I get to understand how the stars work with the patterns around us and I get to understand people more and just patterns in their lives and even how those patterns can be expressed differently on different levels. Mm, you mentioned patterns when you were talking about, um, I think you said the word sacred geometric patterns. So I'm seeing that patterns are kind of a theme in the work that you do. Yeah, I really do like studying patterns. I like to put puzzle pieces together. It helps me understand the world around myself better. Mm, beautiful. Um, and what would you tell someone who is interested in astrology? But I mean, there's so much information. Where do you even begin? I would definitely say that, um, you know, there is a lot of accessible information out there, like online, everyone's going to have a different interpretation. I do, I do feel like understanding astrology on a logical level is important, but it's also important to understand the planets on an intuitive level, to understand what they mean to us on an intuitive level. So that means recognizing our own patterns. So, you know, learn the basics of what your sun sign is, what your moon sign is, what your rising is. Learn all the planets, the basics, the very foundation, the very roots of what they are. Learn the houses, what the first house is, what the second house is. Learn how to read your natal chart. Those are the three things I would suggest. And then try to recognize those patterns. When you understand how to read your natal chart, you can see, okay, so the sun is going through this house and it's making this aspect. And then you can start, you know, that comes later on after you begin to study all that. And you're like, okay, so the sun is making like a trine to this. Okay, how is that gonna show up for me today? Let's see, let's see, let's see this week, how that shows up and maybe keep that in mind. I would say journaling with astrology is also really helpful, especially what in terms of the moon, like starting with the moon can be really helpful because the moon moves into a different sign every two and a half days. So we can see, we can begin to see, okay, so the moon is in cancer. Maybe it's going through this house for me. How the, is that pattern showing up in my life? How is that pattern going to show up in my life? And we'd be we can begin to study that and observe that. And then as we write this stuff down through journaling, we can see how it personally affects us. And then we can go ahead and ask people how it affects them, right? We can study people and how it, those patterns affect them. Mm, yeah, that is kind of similar to what I did when I was starting to deepen my spirituality was just noticing the moon. How do I feel when it's full? How do I feel when it's dark? How do I feel in the middle? And then I started slowly adding on, oh, the moon is in Aquarius or the moon is in whatever. Um, and slowly seeing, oh, I see how that's influencing my emotions. And like you said with tarot, not letting it dictate exactly how I'm going to feel or exactly what I'm going to do, but just taking it as input and, and basing intuition off of it. Yeah. Um, see what else? So you're a creative writer, you're a poet that you spoke about earlier. Um, what is your relationship to creativity? So I really always feel like I'm always in states of creativity or in flow states of creativity, really. Um, I love to write. I love to journal. I love to write poetry. I feel like I'm always creating and like, I feel like at our core, human, the human soul longs to create. 
It gives us purpose, it gives us meaning. And whether that's through my work, through connecting in conversation with friends, creating conversations, through creating something with a client, a beautiful session with a client, through talking to strangers and creating conversations with strangers, through writing. I feel like we're always creating essentially, or even by myself, like I'm creating a morning routine or I'm creating this, I'm, cre I'm doing my bed, I'm creating breakfast, right? Creativity is what motivates me and what really like helps keep me going. I feel like I'm just full of creative energy. And it's always very, very in tune with me as well. Hmm, beautiful. I think it was the episode with Bonnie Bigheart where we talked about creativity not just being um, tangible or not being what you think it is. I think people think, well, I'm not creative because I'm not a good painter or I'm not creative because I don't make jewelry or whatever. But what we don't realize is that we're creating all the time and everything that we're doing is creating something. So I think that's really beautiful that you spoke to that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and so a lot of people do have that thought, especially with capitalism too. Like if I can't profit off of it, then it's not creativity. Um, what would you tell someone who does want to create or want to connect to their own creativity? I would definitely say that um, if anyone is feeling stagnant in their creativity or wants to learn how to connect to their creativity, to really think about the things that they'd love to do as a child. Um, our little the little us, our inner child, it's also known as, is really the part of us that when we were younger, we had all this, we wanted to see things through the eyes of discovery. We wanted to experience the world and we were curious about everything. And that was so much creative energy into one little body. So I would definitely say to connect with the things that you love to do as a child, I was watching cartoons, playing in dirt, going in nature, biking or scootering, right? Whatever it was that we love to do. Mm, good point about the inner child and the younger us. Um, I think a lot of blockages with creativity can come from having a wounded inner child or an inner child that we aren't connected to. And I was wondering if you had any experience in healing your own inner child. Yeah, so I can see how a lot of society is always very much telling people that we have to be an adult and that we have to be an adult and we have to do these things and we don't have time for fun and games, but we don't realize that, you know, that's what essentially makes life more fun, more bearable in some cases, is having fun, which is also a form of creativity. I would say um, for people that are having blockages of connecting to their inner child to definitely, you know, it takes some reflection. It takes some reflection as to like understanding how you can I would also say that, you know, it's also important to realize that you're allowed to be multidimensional. So you're allowed to be an old wise man and a five-year-old child at the same time. And those are still two aspects of you. There's still two aspects of you. Whereas society might try to say that you're this aspect and you should only be this adult figure, right? But it's not, you know, it's not realistic and it's not true to who you are because you are a multidimensional human being. Hmm, beautiful. And that is, you know, I mentioned internalized capitalism about creativity. And that also comes up with the inner child is that we're told to work, 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 produce, 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 be an adult, a responsible adult. But it but it's okay to reflect on your inner child and have fun and rest. And it sounds like your answer to a lot of things is to do reflective journaling. And I really like that. Um that seems like a really easy, affordable, accessible practice for people. Yeah. Um, so on the topic of inner child, I ask all my guests what they would tell their younger selves, knowing all that they do at this moment. Oh, what I would do? Oh, yes, what you would tell your, your inner child or your younger self. Oh, okay. Yeah, so um, I got bullied a lot when I was younger. I didn't have any friends. I was bullied all my life. When I was a child, like in elementary school, all I did was sit alone at recess and talk to the trees. Like they were my only friends. 
I was always like the black sheep in my family, in school, in public. And I was always othered by people because I was unique. So I would very much tell my younger self that you can be your own best friend and that the right friends will come to you when you realize that. Thank you for sharing that. Oh, I know. I think being a sensitive child is beautiful, but it makes for perhaps a, a rough upbringing when you are so sensitive. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I would tell my younger self something similar, that it's okay to be weird. It's okay to be different. It's okay to be sensitive. It sounds like that's also what you're saying a bit. Um, I also ask everyone what they hope to learn from their future self. Yeah, so I love that question. And I would hope to learn how to stop worrying about things that don't matter as well and how to feel even more empowered. I already feel like I feel pretty empowered, but I feel like it's always like a state of being, right? Um, and I would also like, I also like to look at how old people, how what they would tell their younger selves. And they're always saying like, this doesn't matter and that doesn't matter. Just do what you like. They always have the same advice that I feel like I'm experiencing. So I'm like, okay, I guess I'm doing something right. Mm, I love that answer. Um, and then the third kind of question in that little triage is, how do you feel connected to your higher self? Um, I feel connected to my higher self just knowing that it is that it is always a part of me. It is always a part of who I am. But to directly speak to my higher self, I either do meditation, I do journaling, I channel my higher self through like having conversations with myself. You're basically talking to your higher self, right? Um, I put intention towards it before I do it. And I just feel like we always are connected to our higher self, but it depends on if we choose to live in our highest potential of that day our highest path of that day, or if we choose not to. Mm, what a great answer. Everything you say is just full of wisdom too. Kind of in awe of you at this moment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I also want to talk about your Patreon. Can you tell us about your Patreon and what you do there? Yeah, so I actually, um, I on my Patreon, I do bi-weekly healing so twice a week I do Akashic Reiki healings and I have them live over Zoom Mondays and Fridays and I also have a Q&A a Discord community as well as teach classes over on Patreon and this month for April I'm teaching my patrons how to access their Akashic records. Ooh, that sounds really interesting when is that uh, training date or when is that course? It's 20 April 23rd. So that'll be tomorrow when people are listening. <laughs> so make sure you check it out tomorrow. Uh, I'm time traveling by saying that. <laughs> um, and how else can people work with you? How else do what? Um, how else can someone get a hold of you, work with you? Oh, so I have a website, Mindful Musings, M-I-N-D-F-U-L-L, musings.com. Um, they can also check out my Instagram, which is the same name, but with an underscore at the end, or my Twitter or TikTok. But I, I prefer uh, you can email me or you can reach out to me via DM on Instagram. Perfect. And I'll put a link to all those things in the notes as well. Um, so my last question to everyone is, what does empowered spirituality mean to you? So to me, um, empowerment is a state of being, right? So it's always a state that we can choose to be or not to be. It's a state of being to me. And to me, being empowered in our spirituality is really about like understanding what the connection to our soul is and how we can facilitate that for ourselves. So we can choose to, how can I empower myself today? We can ask ourselves that question and kind of reflect on it. Like, and whether it's a situation that maybe that's holding us back or maybe there's something in some way that's making us feel 
stagnant in some way, or maybe it's letting go of a self-limiting belief. There are many ways that we can empower ourselves every day. And really, as we start to do little practices that feel more empowering, like stepping outside of our comfort zones little by little, because that change doesn't have to be all at once, that change can be very gradual as well. So we can start to empower ourselves in little ways over time. And then before we know it, we're feeling like a lot more empowered than before. What a great answer. Thank you so much. And before we end, is there anything else that we didn't touch on or anything else that you want to add? No, I just want to say that thank you so much for having me here. I had such a wonderful talk with you. This was super fun. And yeah. Yay, thank you. I had so much fun talking to you. I felt like it was hard to talk to you because I was so blown away. So I was speechless part <laughs> of the time. <laughs> thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you too. Mm, what a great episode. I really learned a lot about Reiki astrology, the Akashic records, and just more about the amazing Anjali. Um, she mentions her Patreon if you want access to her Patreon, the link is below, but it's also patreon.com slash mindfulmusings with two L's. You can also choose to work with her and go to her website, mindful with two L's, musings.com. Her services can be found on the tab that says services. Um, she also has an Etsy shop that she doesn't mention, um, and the shop is also called Mindful Musing with two L's. And you can follow her on Instagram at Mindful Musings, again with two L's with an underscore after the S. Um, again, she does Reiki healings. Um, she does twice, she does those twice a week, and she also teaches monthly courses on her Patreon, as well as working with her individually. Oh my goodness, what an amazing, amazing episode that was. I, I really learned a lot and I I'm really grateful that she came on the podcast, so thank you so much to you, Anjali. If you enjoyed this episode as much as I did, go ahead and give it a five-star rating. The rating really helps help other people to find the podcast. Um, share a review, share on your social or with a friend that you think would enjoy this. You can follow me on Instagram at empowered.spirituality. You can also visit my website to work with me, view my blog, view more resources at empoweredspirituality.online. And also please consider joining the weekly meditation circle. We meet every Sunday, every Sunday at 1 p.m. Mountain Time. Um, it happens via Zoom. We do meditation. We do journaling. We do community shares. We've even done yoga, um, tarot readings. We do it all. It's very fun and it's great to have that community. There's also a community um, support group on Facebook and it's the same handle at empower.spirituality if you'd like to have more support. And until then, namaste. As I began the journey of shifting my career to a job that aligned with my values and beliefs, having an education in health coaching has been transformational. Through the Institute of Integrative Nutrition, you can become a certified health coach to empower your relationship with food, health, and wellness, live your dreams, earn while you learn, and embark on a new path. Join the global community of like-minded change agents who are here to empower, inspire, and motivate you to create the life you've always dreamed of by clicking the link in the show notes. And by doing so, you'll receive $2,000 off tuition when you pay in full or $1,500 off tuition if you choose the payment plan option. Or you can mention my name, Samantha Nagel, spelled N-A-G-E-L. Discover how to take a holistic and nourishing approach to health and wellness today. Mm -hmm.